This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, did they copy the song or not? Well, a federal jury in California has concluded they did. That Katy Perry's 2013 single Dark Horse actually infringes on a song by a Christian rapper. That's Marcus Gray. He records under the name Flame. Now, he had sued Katy Perry and the producer Dr. Luke and others, claiming that the song Dark Horse featured the same beat and the same instrumentals as his 2009 song Joyful Noise. We want to give you a little bit of a longer version of each song so you can decide this. So, wanting to hear both of them. First up, here is Katy Perry's song Dark Horse. tell you how often I quickly had to change the radio station when I heard that song because I've never been a fan of that. But yet, that was a huge song for Katy Perry. Actually, she was nominated for a Grammy for it as well. So is it too similar to this next song, Joyful Noise? Let's talk about it. Your boy's been a Christian quite a few years. Victory and faith, but I failed in my fears. I heard a lot of words that have tickled many ears. That's why I praise God for the word and bring it here. The word became flesh, lived for 30 years. Died at 33, but after days reappeared. Sorry, I was just getting into it, actually, as it was going along there. So are those so similar that Katy Perry and Dr. Luke and the others should pay copyright royalties to uh, Flame, who did that song, Joyful Noise. Well, this is a big question for the music industry. How many notes in a row do you have to have before you say, that sounds too similar to another song? Our guest, Oliver Hertzfeld, the Senior Vice President and Chief Legal Officer for Beanstalk. That's a leading global brand licensing agency. And we always like to ask him about this when stories like this pop up in the news. Oliver, thanks for being back with us. Thank you so much for having me. Now, we've asked you before, I think we talked to you before when it was the Robin Thicke case. What did yes. you think about this one when you heard these two songs? Um, I, can, I can see the similarity in the beat, but their songs are just so different. So it really, uh, it, it, it ultimately is in the ear of the beholder, so to speak. Uh, have we ever managed to figure out, like, how many notes do we use to determine if something is copied? Like, how do we know if something is a copy? Um, a number of, of, of uh, people have previously suggested that it should be based on some kind of objective standard, like the number of notes. But I don't know if that's the best way of judging it. Like, for example, um, the I Love New York jingle is only four notes. And, you know, that's very distinctive. And, and if someone copied it, you know, the, the owners would feel aggrieved. So does it just depend on a case by case basis? It depends on a case-by-case basis. So that's part number one. And part number two is that it, it's based on, as I mentioned before, the ear of the beholder. So you go and, and find a jury and, and, and they have to, you know, ordinary listeners. It's based on what ordinary li- listeners believe. It's not based on, you know, um, you know professors of mu- music or, or other, you know, experts in this. It's based on the actual 
uh, ordinary jury. And then there's, there's methods that they use and they, to try to determine whether there was copying. And it's kind of like a mathematical function of inverse relationship where the more access you had to, to, the, um, to the original recording, the less similar they have to be. And the more access that you had, um, the more access you had, the less similar they have to be. The less access you had, the more similar they have to be. So in this case, you know, Katy Perry and Dr. Luke claimed that they never even heard it before. So, you know, applying that standard, they would have to be more similar before you find um, a verdict of infringement. Right. But on the other hand, then Marcus Gray had argued, no, no, they had opportunity to hear it. It had been nominated for a Grammy. So there would have been some attention there. And plus, they also did they not also play on uh, Katy Perry's previous kind of history as a Christian singer? Yes, those are all, you know, those are all good arguments. And, you know, people make, make claims, but you don't. You know, you, you don't always know what to be true. So, so for example, in the ongoing Led Zeppelin uh, case, um, you know, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant originally claimed that they never heard um, Taurus by the band Spirit. But when, in the original trial, it came, you know, the conclusion was, yes, they did. They did hear it, even though they continued to deny it. They, they played together at, at, at several concerts and they right. certainly had opportunity to hear it. So people make claims and then you have to kind of like... Uh, sort through all the claims and come to your conclusions. How can an artist uh, protect themselves from this? Okay, so that kind of uh, links back to the prior time that we spoke, because it's really, really difficult. Um, we're moving from a situation where it's not just beats and instrumentals that, that you know, are subject to claims, but in the Robin Thicke uh, versus the estate of Marvin Gaye case, it was like a, a musical vibe that was there, accused of, of stealing a vibe. And in that case, you know, ultimately, um, on, re, on re, retrial was determined to, um, to find them, you know, to find them liable for the infringement. And they were ultimately held uh, obligated to pay $5.3 million in damages and, and 50% of all future royalties. So um, it's really difficult. And, and uh, the, you know, the Internet that, you know, with all the sleuths on the Internet that kind of... Uh, yeah. Uh, ferret out the uh, similarities, it, it's, it's harder to hide nowadays. That, that's really hard, I think, I'm guessing for any industry, because this happens in movies, right, with scripts or, I mean, if, if you're a producer and someone is sending you unsolicited material, I'm guessing you probably don't want to look at that unsolicited material. Yes, you want to, you know, we want to say, please don't submit it. I didn't open it because uh, anytime you come up with a blockbuster, someone's going to say, I had that idea before and, and, and a lot of ideas are similar and similar. So, so the, you know, making the connection to music, you know, a lot of uh, chord progressions are the same. A lot of instrumentals are the same. A lot of beats are the same. There's, you know, you're, one plays off the other. And, uh, and there's, been, there's been a number of cases throughout the years that, you know, have come up with all kinds of strange situations as a result of that. For example, um, George Harrison, My Sweet Lord, was oh. accused of infringing the chiffon. He's still fine. Yeah. And the trial came out that he subconsciously copied it. And then even stranger, you know, Ryan Tedders, the co-writer producer for Kelly Clarkson's Already Gone. And he also did Beyonce's Halo. And a lot of people have noticed that they are very similar. They sound very similar. And so he, he denies it. He wrote both. And he and, he, and as the writer of both, he, he he says it's hurtful and absurd that I would be accused of, you know, selling the same thing for two different artists and overlapping. So difficult but, when you deal with music similar to film that uh, things play out over and over again. And uh, and 
similarities are, are likely to occur. We're talking about music similarity in light of this Katy Perry Dark Horse versus the song Joyful Noise case uh, that Katy Perry lost in court along with her producers on that. And I guess, Oliver, my question here is as well, how many original chords are left? You know, like there's going to be repetition in music, is there not? There's always going to be repetition and there's always going to be lawsuits that result from it. Sometimes it's, you know, um, accidental or subconscious like the George Harrison. Sometimes it's on purpose, like when Vanilla Ice uh, stole the bass from Queen and and David Bowie's Under Pressure. And, uh, you know, and and sometimes they'll come out from and sometimes there'll be a lot of controversy. And some people will say, yep, it sounds really some people say it sounds exactly the same, and the others say, no, no, they don't sound anything the same. And, and so it's going to be ongoing. And, and the problem with the Robin Thicke case is now it's expanded to even vibes of music. And so you're going to likely see more disputes in the future. Right. So can you deal with it differently, though? Like uh, we were talking about Ed Sheeran uh, earlier, because he, he's very quick to give credit if he hears a similarity, is he not? Yes. And similarly, uh, if you remember, there was uh, the, the Sam Smith song, Stay With Me, and Tom Petty made a claim against him, and he very quickly gave him credit, and they settled it very quickly. So it is possible. Is and, that the and, more careful way of dealing with it, I guess? Well, I mean, um, that opens a different, a different issue. I mean, for example, Vanilla Ice gave credit for Ice Ice Baby to Queen and David Bowie, but, but the question is, you know, did they want to have credit on, on, that, <laughs> on that song? You know, maybe it reflects badly on them, and, and so... To say that the, the way it gets resolved is to say, give them credit, you know, is not necessarily the most ideal remedy for, for artists. Maybe they don't want to be associated with the song. And then, and then you have some really tragic cases like the verb, you know, against yes. uh, Rolling Stones. And, and Rolling Stones got 100% of the credit and all of the royalties. And, and, and uh, the song was ultimately used in a Nike commercial against the, you know, against the verb's wishes. And it was nominated Best Song Grammy and... Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were, were the ones named on the ballot. So they, they lost all of their rights because they sampled like some very small amount. Yeah. Can you recap that for us? Because a lot of people might not have heard that story, but I have. And it is it's really awful. Yeah, the Verve um, sampled a small portion of a Rolling Stones uh, song in their song, uh, Bittersweet Symphony. And uh, they were negotiating for the rights to use it, and they were uh, n- uh, discussing a 50% of the royalty split. And um, the Rolling Stones pulled out of the negotiations, and the Verve was uh, 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 left with a decision that they had to make as to whether they pull the song and avoid infringement or go ahead with the song because this was their internal you know, artistic expression that they wanted to share with the world. They went ahead with choice number two, and they shared it with the world, and they found themselves on, you know, on the receiving end of, you know, of, of lawsuit from, and, uh, from the Rolling Stone and, and various other parties. And so the way it was ultimately resolved is that uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards received rights to 100% of the royalties, and they were named as 100% as, as the uh, creator. And as I mentioned, they were, they were put on the ballot when it was nominated for Best Song and really, you know, really crushed the spirit other verb, they, they they got no money from the song and they lost their their sense of artistic integrity when it was used for a commercial and it was a really very sad story. It was bitter bittersweet symphony was a bittersweet it was You're not kidding. even a sweet it was a completely bitter story for them. And it was and like to think about all the times you've heard that song in the last twenty years and the money was going to the Rolling Stones. Didn't they recently try to correct this though? 
I don't know about that. I can look into that. Yeah, I believe they actually did just just in the last couple of months talk about giving some of those rights back. But you're right. That is an extreme, extreme case here. So clearly there's no right or wrong or definitive way to figure this out, Oliver. Is it just roll the dice and see what you get with the jury? I guess everyone, you know, uh, you have to move forward in life and everyone, you can't stop making music because you're afraid of being sued. So I think that what you said is absolutely right. You have to move forward and try to, you know, try your best. But uh, people can't stop making music, so they just have to do their best when they're on the receiving end of these lawsuits. So true. Oliver, thank you for your time on this. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate that. That's Oliver Hertzfeld, Senior Vice President and Chief Legal Officer for Beanstalk. They're a leading global brand licensing agency.